Assalamualaikum. It is Wednesday, the twentieth of October, two thousand and twenty-one. <clears throat> and uh, in our series, reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number two hundred and sixty-seven. We are. Uh, uh, discussing, considering, looking at the meanings of the, um, the words of verse 93 of Al-Baqarah, the second chapter of the Holy Quran. So, uh, <clears throat> and uh, as you know, we take these words by word by word and try and see what guidance we can glean from the Holy Quran about these things. Just to remind you that uh, these broadcasts are brought to you by the Lahore Amdiya community, which is known as the Lahore Amdiya movement, Amdiya Enjuman, and Amdiya Enjuman Islam. Which was created by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Sahib. And uh, he taught us that although other Muslims believe that a Prophet can come after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, this is incorrect because the Holy Quran says about the Holy Prophet Muhammad that. He is Khatmun Nabihi. And the Holy Prophet explained this verse of the Holy Quran. By saying that Ana Khatmun Nabihi La Nabi Abadi. That I am Khatmun Nabihi and I am the last Prophet. He did not sort of say new prophet, old prophet, etc. He just said, I am the last prophet. End of story. So, Hazrat said that no prophet, old or new, can now come. In the light of the Holy Quran and the Hadith of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, this naturally gave rise to a question which uh, Sahaba Ta'ala Anhum asked and that was that uh, um, when a prophet appeared among a people then shortly after that prophet's death those people went astray again. And we see this in, in, in the story of Moses that, that we're discussing. That Moses goes away for a few days and the Israelites start uh, disobeying God. So um, the Holy Prophet said that, well, prophets can't come, but God will send. Reformers, Mujaddadeen. 
And some people say, well, anyone who does good work can become a mujaddid and so on. Uh, but if uh, two uh, people who are very pious and so on, they're doing good work, but um, their um, views are diametrically opposite each other, who will you believe? Which one will you believe? This is why it is important that God appoints the mujaddid and guides him through his revelation to bring Muslims back to sirat e Now, the Holy Prophet also made another statement which Hazrat Bizar Ghulam Ahmed stressed. See, these days we are very keen to uh, say to people, you are kafir, you are heretic, you are out of fold of Islam, you are this, you are that. On a slight difference. There may be differences are major, it doesn't matter. The Holy Prophet had said that if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are not a Muslim, you are a Kafir, then this statement of heresy turns back and falls upon the person who issued it. Basically, Muslims should not issue fatwas, rulings of anyone's heresy. That is up to God to decide, not for us. <clears throat> and Hazrat Ghulam Ahmad also said that people say that uh, part of prophetic revelation like the Ayah Rajam Surah Walayat and so on have been left out of the Holy Quran. He said that is incorrect because God has said I have about the Holy Quran that I have revealed it and I am a guardian over it. So God is protecting the Holy Quran, how can it be that some verses of the Holy Quran are left out and no one knows? It is impossible. <clears throat> Similarly, excuse me, my throat is getting dry. Similarly, generally Muslims say that some verses of the Holy Quran have been abrogated, cancelled. And Hazrat uh, he says that Muslims say more than 500, I think it's 512 verses are abrogated. And he said, I have investigated them. But even Hazrat Shah Waliullah says that there are seven verses which are abrogated. 
but hazrat mirza ulam ahmed said that no verse of the holy quran was or is or ever shall be abrogated cancelled all the verses that we find in the holy quran they are effective and lastly hazrat mirzaullah mehmed stressed that jihad is jihad is the duty of every single muslim but he stressed that for definition of jihad we have to go to the holy prophet muhammad not to some seminary not to some scholars and whatever and the holy prophet muhammad said when returning from fighting that muslims are returning from minor jihad to major jihad and then he went on to explain what major jihad is he said major jihad is jihad bin nafs a struggle against your own inner self your own desires that is the biggest jihad these are the words of the holy prophet muhammad so hazrat mirza ulama ahmed said that a muslim must conduct this jihad continuously so let us turn to the verse of the holy quran al bakara chapter 2 ഹസ്നാ <laughs> talking to the israelites and when we made a covenant with you and raised the mountain above you take hold of that which we have given you with firmness and obey they said be here and disobey and they were 
made to imbibe the love of the calf into their hearts on account of their disbelief. Say, evil is that which your faith bids you if you are believers. So, uh, yesterday we looked at the words imanukum and today we are going to look at the word untum. And tomorrow we look at the word mu'minin and that will conclude our discussion of verse 98 of the of chapter Al-Baqarah. Okay. Let us see. The root of this word which occurs in the Holy Quran a large number of times is Kaf Wa Nun and it occurs in the Holy Quran three sorry not three hundred ninety thirteen hundred and ninety times but only in three forms but it only has three different meanings. Kana, Makan, and Makanat. Thirteen hundred and fifty-eight times Kana, twenty-seven times Makan, and the last word, the third one, is just five times. This is the equivalent of the English word the verb is was that's called the verb to be chapter 2 verse 10 says pima kanu vyakzibun they did they used to then we have Vama Kanu Muhtadeen, which is chapter 2, verse 16. Were they? Then we have chapter 2, verse 23, which says, Wa in kuntum fi rabim. You are. So you can see it means you are, you were, and so on. You would have been. And the verse that we're looking at means you are. And as I said, it's root. Triliteral root is Kaf um, Wa Nun. And uh, <clears throat> now, although it uh, expresses the past tense, Kana, we have to remember one thing. We have verses like Wa Kana Lahu Bikulli Shayin Alima. Chapter 33, verse 40. 
Your God knows everything. But when it's uh, an attribute of God that, we, that, that you're speaking about, then this word means from the very beginning. Because you can't have God who's learning. You know, it, it's not like going to school that you do GCSEs and then, uh, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> having done those, you then uh, start A-levels and you learn more and then you do A-levels and you go on to university and you learn even more and God knows everything and he has known everything from the beginning. It's not that he has learned anything. So here, Wakan Allahu, and we're talking about God knowing everything. It is, he has always known, forever. That's an important point to remember. Otherwise, you could be mistaken about attributes of God. Now, many times it's used uh, uh, to connect an uh, adjective to a noun. And uh, if that happens, then that means that they go together all the time. For example, Bakan al Insanu Kafuwa, chapter 17, verse 16. Man is ungrateful. I found it interesting that here, when you translate the verse, man is ungrateful, the correct translation, I guess, should be human species is ungrateful, Homo sapiens are ungrateful. But anyway, most uh, translations of the Holy Quran say man is ungrateful. But women have never led a campaign to say that, look, we are ungrateful as well. So this translation of the verse is incomplete. Women should be included in that. Should say men and women are ungrateful. Uh, <clears throat> They keep strangely quiet when this verse is translated in this way. Chapter 17, verse 100. in sanu katura. And um, a human's heart is constrained. Basically saying that Human beings are mean creatures. Vakanal in Sanu Aksara Shay in Jadala, chapter 18, verse 54. And Homo uh, um, sapiens, human beings, are more disruptive, argumentative than anything else in creation. So they, these attributes then get attached to the noun al-insan. 
but uh, sadly you remember we i read out the verse uh, chapter 17 verse 60 that human homo sapiens human beings are ungrateful and it says in chapter 17 verse 27 and what does that mean that satan the devil denies the blessings of his creator so human beings <clears throat> have something in common with Satan, with Shaitan, that they're both ungrateful. And uh, the reason that I stressed, I should have perhaps said this uh, earlier on, the reason that I stressed that when this past tense is used in relation to God, it means, you know, for eternity, from beginning to end, is that when we're talking about the past tense, then over a passage of time, things change. You know, you have a baby and then it becomes a toddler and then it becomes an infant and then it becomes a boy or a girl and then, um, you know, man or a woman and then an old man and old woman and, and so on. Invisible changes take place. People get taller, they get heavier. They get uh, forgetful. They um, lose strength. They can't walk as far as they used to be able to do and all that kind of thing. So, <clears throat> but of course, when we're talking about God, and that's the important thing to remember, there is never any change in God's attributes. God's attributes are exactly the same as they were at creation. And major attribute was that he knew everything. He still knows everything. I forget things, but God doesn't forget things. So, but uh, <clears throat> another interesting use here of this word, Kana, um, we all know the incident that uh, uh, Jesus Salam, is born and he starts to preach against what the rabbis are teaching at their practices and so on and the rabbis get very upset and uh, they go to Mary and uh, they complain you know, you come from a nice family. Well, you know, what's this? And Mary points to Jesus. Now, the rabbis, they say this. 
मंकान And what they're saying is, what? How can I discuss? How can we discuss this with a baby in arms? And many people take this to mean that Jesus literally was in Mary's arms. But this. dictionary called mufradat alfazul quran which is not an ahmadi dictionary of the words of the holy quran says this verse can be interpreted in two different ways one to say that a baby is literally physically in mother's arms and the other one is that you know he's much younger in age and i illustrate this with an example in pakistan they have something called uh, well in india as well called uh, the panchayat system and what it is is that uh, in a small area particularly if it's uh, it doesn't have courts and all this kind of thing uh, some elders of a village or whatever they uh, constitute a kind of a committee called panchayat and what it does is if you know two neighbors are fighting about something they'll go to the panchayat and panchayat will decide and generally what you find is that uh, um it's the uh, elder elders of the uh, the village who constitute the panchayat they might be 70 they might be 80 they might be 60 and so on this is a real incident that uh, a panchayat was discussing something and uh, a man who was about 45 years of age he stood up to say something because these are open meetings you know there's there's no uh, closed door meeting um and he said something and his father got up and slapped him across the face and he said the elders are discussing the problem and this babe in arms wants to tell us what we should be doing Now this man is forty-five, and his father is saying this baby in arms. So when we talk about baby in arms, do we literally mean a baby physically, a baby and the mother holding that baby in her arms, or do we just mean someone much younger in age than us? And this dictionary says, well, it can mean either. and him they say that it wasn't literally a baby that mary was carrying in her arms this is metaphorical that because he was much younger than the rabbis they said well you know you know just like this guy's father who slapped him and told him to shut up although he was 45 
etc. And, you know, he lived in England and he'd gone back and those gentlemen hadn't been out of their village maybe all their lives. But even so, he was a baby now and not authorized to speak. And this is what the rabbis said. Or you want us to talk to him? The baby in arms. It doesn't mean to say that Jesus didn't have a father or he could speak when he was in the, you know, in the cradle, so to speak, etc. So, <clears throat> and the last point I want to make is that sometimes people rather than look at what is being said, start saying, well, you know, what's your sect, what's your firqa, which imam do you follow in jurisprudence and so on. Remember, Hazrat Ali Razi'ala's instructions. He said, don't look at who's saying it, look at what is being said. With that, I take my leave of you. Inshallah, God willing, we will meet again tomorrow at the same time and take our discussion further. Assalamu alaikum, Khuda Hafiz. Goodbye.